The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning. Good morning. Howdy, howdy. So, uh, how are you uh, faring uh, down there in North Carolina? Well, you know, like you, I'm sitting atop right off the Blue Ridge Parkway north of Asheville. North Carolina, in a little town called Little Switzerland. The view is amazing on top of this mountain. And I'm here for a Jaguar Club concourse. And they're putting the cars on the show field now. And uh, it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's a lot of late model Jaguars, but uh, there's quite a few early ones, including an XK120 aluminum bodied roadster. Those were the first XK120s made. They made only a 240 of them uh, in aluminum before they switched to steel. And there's one here on the show field that is absolutely stunning. And uh, there's some big names here. You know, being relatively close to Charlotte, you have, uh, you know, Haas Racing. Uh, they're based in Charlotte. Uh, his right-hand man is here with his Jaguar. And some other people from Charlotte's racing community are here with, with their early E-types and stuff. And... Uh, yeah, it's an interesting show. I mean, it's only about 60 cars, but uh, it's, it's, it's definitely different uh, being on location off the Blue Ridge because, as you know, Blue Ridge Parkway is the prettiest parkway in America. It's absolutely sensational. So uh, I was the guest speaker last night, and that was a lot of oh, fun. Oh, gosh. Four, four yeah. goals. I, I, I don't you know, know about yeah, Upset up. their digestion. Upset their digestion. Now they can't sleep. What? They were sleeping, and then they had their digestion upset. <laughs> <laughs> I had some people come up to me this morning at breakfast saying how much they enjoyed the talk. Because I, I talked about, you know, growing up in New York City. And I think we did. I think he's uh, gone, at least temporarily. Hopefully he comes back. Can you um, hear me now? So, yeah. Yeah, you're back. Wow. You know? So you were in the midst of telling us, uh, extolling all the virtues of your speech last night. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, people really enjoy. Are you guys there? We're here. Yeah. Are you there? I'm here. Oh, good. Here. Here. You say yeah, you know, I, I was telling him about my first uh, introduction to Jaguars, and I'll tell you that quick story. Uh, growing up in Brooklyn, there was a guy in my block named Vinny Gambino, and... Uh, his uncle was quite famous. His uncle Paulo. They were all named and Vinny. How'd you keep them apart? Tell them apart. <laughs> but you know, Vinny Gambino had an E-type coupe, and that's where they used to keep all the fireworks. 
in the back of the coop leading up to the 4th of July. And it was a very safe place because the cops knew who Gambino was. And they never, you know, busted him for having all those fireworks in his E-type Jag. You know, so that was my first introduction to Jaguars. <laughs> so the people love that, you know. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, up there in Brooklyn, I mean, every other guy must have been named Vinny, you know. It's what, Vinny, Vinny is Joey. Store, <laughs> Vinny's Body <Wow>. Shop. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I had a history going back with Jaguars back in, right after I graduated college, I bought a uh, 67 E-Type 2 Plus 2, and I used to drive all over the city in that car, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, it had an electrical short, which, which shouldn't be too unusual for a Jaguar. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun zipping through Manhattan and driving through Central Park in my E-Type. I was only, like, 21 years old, and uh, after a year I sold that and, and got smart and bought a Triumph. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, those are gr- the E types are great cars. You know, I, I always found that at least stock without insulation and so forth. I mean, in the summertime, those things can get really, really hot. You know? Yeah. Just they when, do. I mean, you, you know, if you're driving summertime, you know, be prepared for your legs to be warm. Um, but I mean, I, I have friends that. You know, they they use modern insulation and things of that nature to try to make it more comfortable. And, of course, the later ones were better than the earlier ones. But, uh, but yeah, that sounds great. Now, I am going to say something. You, you called it a concourse. You know, I, I do not think, of course, concourse these days is ubiquitous. You know, we're, we're having a yeah. concourse at the uh, Dairy Queen on 3rd and Main this Saturday at 6 p.m. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the Lions Club Concourse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but that's you know that's what they called it, and uh, you're right. Uh, that word is just uh, abused too often. It's just a car show or a get together or a con- or regional meet. You know, there's very few concourse that are real concourse. You're right. Yeah, it it just seems like every as every year goes by. It just becomes ubiquitous. Everything is a concourse. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I love a great show. In fact, a lot of shows, as most of you understand, I love more than a concourse. Um, just like going to the AACA Grand Nationals. And I think that the uh, AACA Grand National, in my opinion, uh, exceeds a lot of the concourse across the globe. It's just one of the best shows out there every year. You will never find a more diverse grouping of the finer cars in one place than you'll find on the field at the AACA Grand National. Speaking of that, we're heading there soon. Um, yes, we're heading to Bettendorf, Iowa. Two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. There should be, being a Grand National, there should be over 400 perfectly restored automobiles. And uh, what's, what's great about going to Iowa for a Grand National is that, you know, so many of them are in the Northeast, you know, uh, surrounding Gettysburg and Hershey and all that. And this gives us a chance to see cars that we normally wouldn't see in the East. 
So uh, that's what makes it so exciting, seeing new cars, meeting new people. That uh, And you that can make your own ethanol right there on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> Only you if can. I can get a good government. Only if I can get a fat government subsidy. I can get. If I can get right. a good government subsidy. I'll, we'll we'll make tons of ethanol up there. Set up our own spill. Uh, <laughs> too funny. Yeah. No, we're looking forward to that. But uh, you know, I've attended concours. Uh, like, I don't want to give them a bad name, but I was at the Boca Raton concours in South Florida several years ago. I went two or three years in a row. And let me tell you something. There were cars on that show field that shouldn't even be at a Lions Club car show. That's how bad they were. They were like, you know, condition number three. And, you know, sometimes you can't fault the uh, organizers because you, you you judge a car, you accept a car to attend your show uh, by a photograph that they send in. And sometimes, you know, you get proof. But... Uh, you know, when a car like that enters the show field for a concourse, it should be rejected. Let's face it. You know, you got to have quality, so, not just quantity. So I, I'm going to play devil's advocate because I do exactly just that for the Greenbrier concourse, as you know. Um, and so, you know, I'm generally speaking the first guy to scrutinize all of our all of our applicants. Obviously, some of our people are are invited. Some people apply. Uh, but everyone is required to go through the process, the vetting process, uh, by sending in all the photographs and so forth. Sometimes you'll run across a car, and I don't know if that's the case where you're talking about, but I know for myself, a car that fits the theme of the Concours, I generally give a little bit more latitude to. In other words, if it's a, a, a mark, Featured, uh, whether it's Rolls Royce or Packard or high performance Fords or whatever it may be, I tend to give them a little bit, a little bit more latitude, depending upon how the car works in with the rest of the field. If it's a rare car, an unusual car that you really want people to see, and maybe it's an older restoration or maybe it's never been restored, I give them a little bit of slack sometimes. Now. That being said, um, you know, we everybody sees, you know, Mustang, Shelby, uh, Cobras at the car shows and, or at the concourse. And, you know, GT350, they send it in and it looks natty under the hood. It, it's going to get the boot. So, you know... But for rare stuff and stuff that fits particularly, anyway, I give them a little bit more more leeway. So, you know. Next okay, I I can see your point. However, it's still a concourse, and they have to be pristine automobiles. And if it's not, then it should be in that grouping, as you say, for the display. But it should be display only, and not be judged. That's how I look at cars that are less than, you know. The quality that well, needed for. But, but but here but here's the thing, you know, and, and you and I are, are going to you know agree to agree to disagree, even though we agree more than we disagree. So, if you're going to have somebody bring their car, and you want that car because it's unique and it fits uniquely into that category, and they're going to bring that car all the way, you know what? Eh, 
they're probably going to get judged. Are they going to win their class? No, they're not going to win their class, more than likely. But because they've spent all that time and effort and money to bring their car to your event, you're going to go through. You're not going to make them feel like the redheaded stepchild out there on the on the show field. Sure. Thank God Almighty. Why not? Yeah. Why not? So I'm going to... Ah, you know, leave it not to you. Being, not, you know, you and Vinny. You and Vinny. <laughs> no, they're not being honest enough to tell you or to tell the organizers that their car is kind of crappy looking. Let's face it. You know. Oh they're, no, they're my, my, what I what what I just said was uh, I know that it's not a a level one car. You know, I know that it's probably under the hood. If I were doing a ACA point judging, I look under the hood and I know, you know, boom, I could get 20 points off of that, right, just from looking at the photograph. But if it's a unique vehicle that fits the theme and everything of what I'm doing, I'm going to afford those people the same courtesies I afford everybody else if I want that car there because it's, you know, a one of three and the other two aren't even in the country or they're in some collection somewhere you know, and there's no chance for the public to see that car. I would rather the public see that car in the grouping at the Concours, and I'm going to afford that person the same courtesies I afford everybody else because I'm the one that made the decision knowingly to bring that car in. That being said, you are right. Sometimes people will send you old photographs. You not can't necessarily tell that they're old photographs, especially these days. You know, I mean, somebody sends you a Polaroid, you go, ah, Rich Lentinello took that. But, you know, if somebody sends you these digital photographs, you have no way of knowing really how old those photographs are. So, yeah, I have had people send in old photographs, and they kind of dupe you. Oh, got to go to a break. Okay. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford? or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you. Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. I just want to take this uh, quick moment to thank everybody that is in the car hobby, the car business, however you want to look at it, uh, that loves cars. And uh, thank them for passing on our name, America's Web Radio, and making the classic car show and the classic automobile show two of the most popular classic car shows in the country. And we have a, our listenership is gaining all the time, and we appreciate it. We'll be back with more of Richard and Tom right after this message. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. 
Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Okay, back. So, yeah, every once in a while you get duped, Rich. So, yeah. And I'm not happy when that happens. If somebody purposefully tries to pull one over, man, it's uh, not a good thing. And chances are they, they will never be invited back. That's for sure. Well, then uh, when, when when that happens and they're not looking, just take the air out of their tires, you know? <laughs> you got to get back. <laughs> you got to do something. <laughs> yeah, it happens. We, even I get duped once in a while. Yeah, I it, mean. it happened to us when I was running the Hemming Concours in Stratton Mountain, Vermont. We had a guy pulled up in a uh, 65 Ford Galaxy, and the photos were sensational. It was, I mean, you would think this was a, you know, Pebble Beach quality car, but they had it been taken, like I said, maybe 20 years prior, and it got there. It's like, we didn't even want it on the show field. And when the time came, and, and when the time came to judge the car, the car, we said to the guy, we're not judging your car, because this is not a concourse car. And he was, you know, quite mad. But we pointed out, you know, I mean, it was, there was rust bubbles, there was scratches. I mean, there was a rip in the upholstery. It's like, this is a concourse, pal. Take a hike. You know? <laughs> it happened. <laughs> oh, the uh, Amy Vanderbilt course for uh, concourse etiquette. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Get the hell out of here, you bum. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> you know, we love cheap cars, but we don't want cheap cars at a concourse. Unless you have a special category for cheap cars, you know. But then it wouldn't be a concourse. It'd just be a car show. So going back to the original theme is not all car shows are concourse. So. No, keep that in mind, yeah. That's right. And, uh, you know, keep that in mind when you're setting up your show. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed about if you're having a really nice car show. You can say that. You don't have to be a concor because the two are very different and they provide a different experience for the people that come there and for the people that participate. So, you know, right. be who you are. You know, embrace yourself. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Embrace those scratches on your Ford. <laughs> That's right. Embrace, exactly. Embrace the oil leaks on your Triumph. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's who you are, you know? <laughs> what would a Triumph be without an oil leak and, and some nagging area of rust that you can't cure? <laughs> right, right. So, uh, <laughs> too much fun. So... That's what's so great about the old car hobby. You know, there's all different types of people, all different types of cars, all different levels. And when the people come together 
they don't talk about cars. It's like it's like an equal thing. It's like a big equalizer. People don't care who you are or your financial status. They just want to talk cars. So that's what's great about going to car shows and meeting new people and and making fun of their cars. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, you're you are right about that. You know. I, and I think back to a particular AACA show that I went to, and I was talking to several of the guys there. I was talking to one guy, and he had a Model T that he had been working on for 15 years. He was a retired vet, um, a retired enlisted guy. He didn't have a huge retirement. He loved his Model T. been working on this thing for, as I said, 15 years. I'm, relatively speaking, he spent really big money, according to his income, on that car and all the time and everything else, and it was beautiful. It was a great car. And then about half an hour later, I end up talking to a guy that had a Mercury, a 60 Mercury Park Lane convertible, unusual car. And, you know, we're chit-chatting, and uh, it, I have no idea but he turns out he's one of the guys that started the cellular phone industry and he's got dinner with the president the following week and he didn't tell me that I just happened to overhear him talking to his wife <laughs> so you know you've got people that you know here this guy started the cellular phone industry he was one of the ones that started it and then you've got another guy on the other end uh, you know retired enlisted guy and you know, they're doing their thing. Nobody knows any differently. No, no, that's the thing. Yep, I agree. It's really cool. Ah. So, <clears throat> you've been working on the Triumph at all? Uh, I've been working on my Spitfire. You know, what happened was two years ago, <laughs> yeah, two years ago, I bought a stainless steel sports exhaust system and it has two mufflers in the back. I got it from Rimmer Brothers in England. <laughs> Uh, it never fit right and it was made for that car and then I decided you know I gotta fix this thing once and for all get the car registered and underneath the car and I'm going gee there's the problem and I go to their website and they made the part wrong or, or they sent me the wrong part I don't know what's going on but I went to my local uh, auto parts store I think it was AutoZone and I got a piece of a one foot flex pipe but not not the cheap one I I, I spent the $48, and I got the one with the braided stainless on the outside. And, man, that thing fits like a glove now. So I was able to, you know, uh. save the stainless steel exhaust system. I got it all hooked up, and I'm crawling under my back. And, you know, you're on the ground, because I don't have a lift in my garage. And, you know, you only the car's jacked up like a foot. And, you know, you're putting it in an exhaust system, and it's like, oh, my back is killing me now. But... Man, it, it fits perfect now. So uh, that's all I've done on my Triumph lately. I've been so busy uh, with starting uh, issue number seven of Crankshaft Magazine. You know, things got delayed because we had some family issues, but uh, we're finally getting things rolling. And guess what I found for this next issue? I found an original what? owner of a 65 Galaxy. Going back to Galaxies again. Uh, it was an R-Code. It had the uh, wow. carburetors. Yeah, original Rare. owner. The guy's the guy's ninety two years old. He has the 
original uh, personal check that he made out to the dealer to buy the car. He has all this documentation from this, and he lives like two miles from me. So, oh, no kidding. I'm trying to, yeah, so I'm trying to get that story in the next issue because the guy's 92, you know what I mean? I don't want him to be pushing up daisies before the issue's published, you know? So uh, I want to bring him <laughs> fresh arms, you know, make him stay nice and healthy from now for the next few months so he can see his car in print. So uh, Azel, that's a good when you go, <laughs> you go over to shoot it, you can uh, share some of your Geritol with him. Um, yeah. You guys will be uh, refreshed for the interview you know, and for the photo shoot. You know, I, I, I find those the, the most interesting stories, talking to original owners, because they give you such great insight about them ordering the cars, dealing, sitting down with the dealers, and going through the options list, and and what happened during the years that they've owned it? How many miles they put on it? What kind of parts failed or how difficult it was to fix things? How reliable was it? And all that information is being lost, you know, every day when these original owners pass away. So I'm trying to get as many of those stories in as possible. So uh, I just think those are the most interesting stories in the old car world. Original owners, great insight. I- I agree. I, either original owners or, in the case of, say, like pre-war cars, somebody that has owned a pre-war car for the last 50, 60 years or more. They know That's so right. much history behind the car. More than likely, they knew the original owner and or the family, and they have all that provenance. Yeah, it, right. it's exciting. I, it is. I, I met this other kid recently. uh I guess he's about 24, 25, and he had his grandmother's uh, 67 Plymouth Fury that his grandmother bought new. And there's pictures of her being a young lady with the car from the dealership. There's pictures of this guy sitting in the back seat, and he's only like two years old. You know, so original family-owned cars are just as equally significant because you have all those tales to tell about the car, you know. So uh, those are great stories. But that's the kind of stuff we're trying to get into Crankshaft Magazine. No, I, and I'll, I'll say it again, and I, I can tell you, people out there that are listening, with absolute certainty, okay, that Richard does not pay me to endorse Crankshaft Magazine. Why? Because he's cheap, okay? Everybody knows <laughs> that. He's cheap. He's He's not even going to buy me a, a waffle, okay? Frugal. <laughs> or, or, <laughs> frugal. Cheap, cheap. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to tell you, as I, sure as I'm sitting here, uh, you know, I crack, I'm thinking about it. I've never said this on, on the show, but I probably cracked my first car magazine when I was seven, more than likely. Um, interestingly enough, I think it was Carcraft, um, now that I think about it. Not exactly what I ended up with, but I've read a ton of magazines. I still have a ton of magazines. I, I probably have hundreds of pounds, of, and we we got to take a break, folks, and we'll be right back. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider. For classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles, our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, 
or to receive a quote. Contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. So, I was talking about the fact that I, I love Crankshaft Magazine but that Richard's too cheap to pay me to endorse it, so you know I'm telling you the truth, okay? And I've been cracking car magazines since I was probably seven years old. I've got literally hundreds of pounds and decades worth of car magazines in the basement. You never know when you're going to need reference material. But in terms of overall quality of subject, quality of writing, quality of photography, you're not going to be crankshaft. And I really, really, truly mean that. Rich and I are friends, yes, most of the time. Uh, but the magazine is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But the word is frugal, not cheap. Frugal. Cheap. You know? Cheap. <laughs> Just like in this day and age, in this day and age, you got to watch every quarter in your bank account. So, <laughs> and you know, yeah, that, we just last week again, ahead. the U.S. Postal raised their rates again. So we got an eight percent raise now, a jump in uh, an eight percent increase in postal, and we're not passing that on to our subscribers. We're just going to eat it because. Uh, could be out of control. So, yeah, the expense to produce a print product today is insane. But we are looking into doing a digital version soon because we've had uh, people order the magazine from Latvia, Malta, Chile, uh, Ecuador, Peru, all over the place. And uh, it's just too expensive. I mean, to, to mail one copy of Crankshaft to Latvia cost us $46. I mean, how insane is that? So... We're trying to, we're in the process of doing a digital version and offer that real cheap for those, you know, out of the country. So, yeah, it, it's a work in progress, but uh, we think the hobby needs a, a good quality magazine. So, so that's it, folks. Thanks for your support. And if you're not supporting us, then you got it. Come on. 
crack open that wallet. Well, we need your money. (laughs) You you paid, you know, you paid what was it you said forty eight dollars for that flex pipe? Yeah, put under the Triumph, which I know caused you great pain and consternation, but it did. You know, think about that. For a couple bucks more, you can get a full year of Crankshaft magazine. You know, right. those of us that are working working on our cars, you can't buy anything for your car at the auto parts store or even online for most time. You're going to get a part. You're going to spend it. I, I don't know. I never place an order for parts that's less than 40 bucks. Never. Right. That's just for never. incidentals, you know. So uh, you're going to enjoy it. I hope you get it. And if you don't like Crankshaft, call me. I want to know about it, because I know I'm not going to get any phone calls. You're going to love it. Seriously. <laughs> so, um, yes. I, I did get a chance to work on the Ambassador a little bit. I've been working on it steadily whenever I have time. I haven't had a lot of time lately. Um, but I, I rebuilt the uh, front brake calipers the other day, which I hadn't done any calipers in a little while. So it was kind of kind of fun, really. Uh pulled them off and uh, to get the pistons out it's pretty easy really folks Uh, you know I take the take the caliper off the car um, of course the brake hose is already off and you want to get as much of the fluid out as you can and that's not always possible sometimes there's some remaining actually I have a little video that uh, I might post up on the Facebook page because I definitely didn't get all of the fluid out and I had a little <laughs> bit of an issue but but anyways you know you crack the bleeder you take a uh, rubber tipped uh, air <coughs> air gun you know from, from from your air compressor you uh, introduce just a little bit of air to the open bleeder and you can drain the fluid off into a appropriate reservoir because it'll just you know 10 12 pounds of air going through there will purge it then you just close the bleeder turn it around take the rubber nozzle stick it in where the hose attached and uh introduce some compressed air and it will pop your piston out but you'll want to put like a rag or something there to catch the piston when it flies out you don't want it to come flying out of there and end up with a gash in the side of it and then you have to replace it um but yeah that was that was a lot of fun although you know and i've done this before and i'm sure lots of other people have too um i kept forgetting to put the crush washer back on when i go when once i reassembled everything back to the car i'm putting the brake hose back on and you know where it goes into the to the caliper there and I kept forgetting the little cr- copper crush washer you really need to have that thing and so anyway you I do. was really annoyed with myself because I kept both times both times I forgot to put the daggone copper crush washer and I was just like you know what and I knew I had done that immediately after I had put everything together I'm like you know what you idiot I forgot to put that damn cross crush washer back there. well but anyway yeah with any luck um the ambassador might be on the road this weekend after right. an absence of probably 20 years of, of rolling down the highway. Um, I right. even got new okay. shoes. New, 
even got new shoes. Well, tires. New, new baby's got new shoes too, waiting for it. So uh, yeah, might even be on the road. So we've been yammering on here. One of the things that we wanted to talk about restoration shops, how to go about uh, choosing the right place for your job and what you want to have done. And uh, we've talked about this before quite some time ago. Uh, and every time we do talk about it, there's something new. Um, so, Rich, what do you say? You got your triumph. You've won the lottery. And you said, you know what? I'm just going to take it somewhere, get it restored. Okay. So this is what you should do. Out of personal experience, I'm dealing with restoration shops, and I had my own restoration shop for a few years in the early 80s. Uh, so first thing you need to do is you inspect the shop, go a couple of times, see the quality of their work, get references from previous uh, customers who had their cars restored there. Uh, but most importantly, if a restoration shop quotes you a price to restore your car run, there's going to be all sorts of problems. They can't, you know, uh, see beyond the paint and if there's Bondo or if there's rust. And if they quoted you a, you know, firm price to restore the car, for instance, if they said, okay, we're going to restore your, you know, your Falcon for $62,000. That's, that's going to be impossible because once they strip it down, they're going to find all sorts of horrors. Uh, not just because it's a falcon, but because, you know, old cars have rust corrosion. And, you know, you just never know if there's accident damage. And you can't, that, that damage and that corrosion won't be revealed until you strip the car down. And what's going to happen is they're going to make shortcuts so they could hit that $62,000 goal and get your car out of the shop. And you're not going to have a quality product, and it's going to cause all kinds of havoc and problems later on in life as you try to enjoy it, if you can. So uh, the quality restoration shops, those that are successful and have been around for years, uh, charge on a per-hour basis. Now, that is expensive, but if you want quality work, you're going to have to pay per hour. So that's the way it works. But most importantly, you got to check the shop. You got to check, uh, you know, references and all that jazz. Now, also, uh, don't go to a general restoration shop. Nobody could know all the all the you know nuances and and the characteristics of every type of car. It ain't going to happen. You should go to a specialist. For instance, when I had my TR3 body rebuilt, Tip City, Ohio, and the reason I did that, it was you know. It, it cost me a lot of money to get that body trucked from Massachusetts at the time where I lived to Ohio. But they only restore TR bodies. They have a special jig built up, and I know the car was going to be perfect. But the thing is, when you go and deal with a specialist, they know every little detail about that particular car. So in the end, it's going to be cheaper for you because... They know exactly what to do, and they know exactly what to do. They know which bolts are going to be stubborn, to, and you want to know how to get those fenders off. And, and you're going to save time, and in the end, you're going to save money. But more importantly, you're going to have a better product. 
So deal with re, deal with specialists in your uh, particular brand or type of car, and uh, you'll get a better product in the long run. But most importantly, you you got to be uh, cognizant of a restoration shop and how they work. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money uh, to restore a car and products. I mean, paint supplies and you know, sanding this, all that stuff adds up and is very expensive today. But, you know, they also have, you know, uh, insurance for the shop. And they also have to insure their workers. So it's very expensive today to get, you know, uh, to have a restoration shop restore your car. But most importantly, another one is when you bring your sh- car to a shop, make sure that you have insurance on your car in case that shop burns down. Because if the shop burns down, they have insurance, but it may not cover your car. So you got to take all these precautions uh, when when you have you know a shop uh, work on your car or restore it or whatever you want to do. So uh, you got to do your homework. Talk to other people that may have uh, you know had a car done at a particular shop, and uh, you know you'll protect yourself in the long run and you get a better product. No, I I agree with you, and you'd be. If you're going to get your car done, you, you'll be very surprised at the number of shops who specialize. You know, there are shops that specialize in pre-war brass era cars. There are shops that specialize in cl- in the classics, the Packers, the ca- you know Cadillac, Dupont, what have you. Um, there are people that specialize in certain areas. There are people that specialize in doing mercury cougars you know so on and on and on and on there's going to be a restoration shop out there more than likely um so unless you have a board board isabella uh then you go to go to Vinny's uh auto body and collision in brooklyn and get them to handle it for you but there are specialized shops and as rich says that's the best place to go because they've got the knowledge to not only do it correctly, but because they know the vehicles, they're going to save you money because they can do it more quickly because they understand how the vehicle comes apart, how it goes back together. They know all of its faults. They know design issues. They know where the rust is going to be hiding. They know it. It's going to save you money and provide you with a better product when you go to somebody that specializes in a certain group of cars. You know, if I had a 1935 uh, Cadillac Roadster, let's say, uh, of any configuration, I'd probably, and I'm not endorsing anybody or trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I'm just a, a shop that comes to mind, uh, Pruitt's. I'd, I'd take it to Dave Pruitt because I know he knows how to work on those types of cars. And he specializes in it, and he knows people who sell the parts for those types of cars and the proper people to get the finishes done properly for those types of cars. So it makes makes a big difference. Oh, we got to go on a break. Hey. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. 
It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. I must uh, apologize for uh, some of the sound effects we're getting. I'm not sure where they're coming from other than the program that we're using. I did want to take one second out and say that uh, Crankshaft Magazine is the only magazine, and Richard, I I don't mean to uh, hurt your feelings or anything like this, but I won't put it out on my coffee table here in the office because I know as soon as I do, I'll go out in the lobby and it'll be gone. And I'll be damned if I'm going to have somebody steal my crankshaft magazine from me. And it's that quality that, uh, you know, somebody will say, oh, isn't this a beautiful magazine? I love cars. And and all of a sudden it's under their arm and they're headed out the door. And uh, I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So I keep my copy of Crankshaft Magazine in my office and my 45 right next to it. Now, uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful magazine. And, uh, Tom, I'm, I'm amazed that Richard's not paying you the commission that he's paying all the rest of his salesmen, you know? But that's between you and, and, uh, Richard. Anyway, let's get back to the show. In right You're this. listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the cl- cl- classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. So, you know, we were back. We were talking about restoration shops. And I got to tell you a quick thing. Uh, in, in my old neighborhood in Brooklyn, there was a guy, there was a place called Sal's Auto Body Collision <laughs> and Restoration. I knew it. I, I knew it. it. See, I knew this. Even as a kid. Yeah. Even as a kid, I'm going, how could they do restoration when they're doing all this auto body? And, and you peek inside, they had to, always had the garage door open. And it's filled with, you know, uh, Bondo dust and filthy and... Oh yeah, we do restorations. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> so so you want to avoid places like that, folks. <laughs> um, one thing you want to do too: be smart, ask around, go to a co- 
a real concours and talk to the owners, ask them how they restored their vehicle, whether they had a professional restorer, they did it themselves, and go to an AACA show and ask people about their cars, who did the work. I mean, seriously, folks, if you're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars, take some time to do some research. Don't go to Vinny's gas station barbershop and restoration, okay, just because your second brother's cousin's uncle said, oh, yeah, he did a Corvair for me five years ago, and he did it, oh, it was award-winning, you know. Don't, don't. You're spending tens of thousands of dollars. Take the time to research, talk to people. Go look at the shop. I mean, these guys know people come by and check up on them. Check on the shop. Make sure that it's not filthy. Make sure that they've got enough room to work on the cars. I can tell you, you know, most restoration shops aren't surgically clean, but they're not dumps either, okay? So you you really need to be able to go in and take a look. You know, look, see if they've got an English wheel. See if they've got a, a sheet metal brake. See, you know, what type of metal working they're able to do. All of those things. That will give you some indication as to whether or not these guys actually know what they're doing or whether they're going to do a lousy job underneath and then skim the whole car with Bondo and uh, sand it and and give you back something that's going to eventually fall apart and disintegrate on you. Um, so it's really, really got to be got to be careful how you go about doing that. Um, also, said, go ahead. Here's another. Here's another important point. Uh, due to all these stupid TV shows on building cars, do not think that you could have a car restored in six days. Okay? It's, that's fantasy. You see this stuff on these stupid TV shows, and they're building these cars in like a 48-hour period. It's not possible, folks. You're going to have problems down. Yeah, well, first of all, it's impossible. So what you see is a total fabrication. It's a total lie. But, you know, even when you spray a car with primer, you need to let the primer sit for several weeks to help, to allow for shrink, things like that. So to restore a car takes well over a year, two years, sometimes more, depending on the, uh, you know, rarity of the automobile and searching for parts. But do not go by what you see on TV, thinking that you could have a car restored in, in you know, a short period of time. That's fantasy. Well, the, it ain't happening. The, uh, another good indicator, too, you know, unless we're in the midst of, you know, a housing boom bust or something like that, uh, most, most reputable rest, restoration shops have a substantial waiting line. You know, they've got people that are in line to get their work done and oftentimes it's six months a year maybe longer um again if you're going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars to do something get it done right and if that means you've got to wait a little while for the proper restaurant do it wait on that restaurant um so you know estimates you know as rich said when they look at a car, they have a general idea of what the time is, uh, time requirements are going to be for the restoration, and they're going to price it accordingly in terms of your estimate. But it's going to be very difficult 
until they get that car stripped down because there's always going to be something that you're going to find. There are always surprises lurking everywhere when you go to tear these cars down. Uh, that being said, once you get to a certain part, they should be able to give you a fair idea of what it's going to cost to get it fixed. But nonetheless, they're going to only be able to do it as well as what they can see. And it is what it is. So in my mind, when you go in there, they give you an estimate. I would add 30% to that estimate. That way you've got in the back of your head some idea. If it runs a little more than that, it runs a little more than that. If it runs a little less than that, be happy. So. And, and also, there are different levels of restoration. Do you want a street restoration or do you want a Concourse Pebble Beach quality? You know, uh, the difference in paint jobs alone could be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Because when you get a show quality restoration, you're talking lots of wet sanding in between coats to make sure the surface is perfect. A lot of hand buffing. Uh, the finishes on the suspensions are of a higher level, and things like that. So. Uh, there's also, like I said, you know, you, you've got to decide beforehand do you want a street restoration, do you want to use the car, you know, every now and then and enjoy it and maybe win some trophies at your local car show, or you're going for a concourse restoration, which is, you know, could be twice as much than the street restoration. So all those decisions have to be made ahead of time. But, you know, you don't want to end up like Tom, you know, having an, an ambassador being, you know, restored, and it takes 10 years, and then he gets it and he goes, I can't believe I didn't get, you know, accepted to Pebble Beach or my ambassador. So, you know, you got to make sure you get what you have pay for. We're going to take, you know what we're going to do? You you keep giving me the business. We're going to take the ambassador. We're going to drive the ambassador to Bettendorf if you don't watch it, okay? You're going to have to spend uh, 12 hours in the car with me going down the highway in the ambassador. Probably won't have any air conditioning by then either, and it'll probably be 95 degrees. <laughs> so, you know, one thing I'm going to touch on real quickly, I know this is a curveball, this is something that we hadn't talked about, but we both know about. You know, Rich and I often talk about, you know, really neglected parts of the vehicle, you know. Everybody, you know, checks their belts. Some, well, hopefully you check your belts, you know, regularly, particularly when you break them out in the springtime uh, and that sort of thing. But there are a lot of neglected areas. You know, people don't check their differential uh, lubrication levels and things of that nature or bother to even change them for that matter. You know, I know there's a bunch of cars rolling down the highway that have the same gear oil in the differential that's been in there since day one when they rolled off the assembly line so but that being said you know a lot of thunderstorms these days and i just happen to be thinking because there's raining cats and dogs coming down the road the other day and we may end up we'll probably run out of time but uh being able to see when you're driving your old old car or your regular car for that matter in the summertime, when you have these torrential downpours, it's a big deal. You want to be able to see well. Um, and, you know, your windshield over time gets pretty crummy. You figure all this stuff is coming in contact with that windshield at 50, 60, 70 miles an hour plus. It's going to start to 
you know, wear, you got bug splatter, all these things going on, stuff, you know, dirt, dust, chips. So you can clean your windshield, uh, and it's more than just hitting it with Windex. I recommend, personally, what I do, and I suggest everybody research everything always because we have, that's why we have the internet. Now, not everything you read is going to be true, but I use, uh, four aught steel wool, zero, 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 zero steel wool and water first. And I, in a circular motion, I go over the entire windshield, um, with that. And then I go back, give it a good cleaning, uh, rinse it several times, use soap and water. I, I use um, Dawn on the, on the windshield uh, because it tends to leave less residue. Then if you want to, you can also treat it with Rain-X. I love Rain-X. Rain-X has got a new product out, though. You know, the old product, you squirt it on the windshield and you wipe it, you let it, um, you know, you have to buff it buff it out, keep rubbing, rubbing, rubbing until it's gone and clear. Um, and if it's already raining, you can't use it, okay, because it's got to start drying as you're buffing it off. Rain-X now has an aerosol product that you can actually spray on and wipe off whether it's raining or not, um, and that's a really great, great product. Um, I don't recommend waxing your windshield. A lot of people, ah, I wax in my car, I wax my windshield. Don't do that. One, as it starts to degrade, stuff starts sticking to the windshield, making it more and more difficult, particularly at nighttime to see through it when you've got oncoming head. Yeah, I knew we were going to run out of time. Look, hey, I'm going to finish that ambassador. We're going to ride it to Bettendorf. You know, uh, cheap cars are good. It was a cheap car. Good. I like cheap cars. I don't like cheap tools, but cheap cars are good. So hopefully you'll get us there and back. So <laughs> meantime, have a great weekend. Be safe and get in the garage. Do something. Don't watch TV. Yeah. Do something. Do something with yourself. Get out there. Work on the car. We'll see you next week. Back here. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.